0: Yale Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to The Other Side, faith-based think tank on policy, economics, entertainment, and community i'm your host evan and i'm here with the coolest co-host on this side of heaven Aaron.
1: hey everybody and we are hoping to provide you a diverse discussion of the issues through a faith-based lens which is not commonly done so we look forward to being your first
0: amen and this is our first episode and what has inspired us to do this podcast is a list too long to put in the words here but we may be able to sum up our goals with two words for now hope and solutions We want to inspire hope and we want to advocate and search for solutions.
1: Yes, we are hoping to serve our listeners and the global community by using our time here to inspire, to educate, to motivate, and to entertain.
0: And we want to entertain in such a way that whoever is under the sound of our voices and those of our guests, whether we all agree or disagree with one another on the issues. Now, our goal will be to move minds and hearts in our audience toward hope that inspires solutions. Now, we seek the common good both here in the USA and around the world.
1: Now, today's topic is immigration, and we all know immigration is a meaty topic, so Evan and I have decided to devote uh, several episodes to it. Um, but today, we want to dispel some of the misnomers and sort of dig deep and create an awareness and an education on immigration, and, you know, discuss uh, different views on it because we all don't agree, but we can agree to understand and learn today.
0: Amen. So our guest today, we welcome Dax Crocker. Dax is a Guatemalan-born American citizen. He's a graduate of Yale Divinity School. His focus uh, for his MDiv was faith-based community. He's now currently doing a master's in political theology at Yale, and he has worked with the undocumented immigrants here in New Haven and with DACA students at Yale through Yale Sanctuary Campus. Welcome, Dax.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: And Dax, we're going to jump right in. Uh, you and I had discussed previously before the show that depending on the generation you were born in, you may have a predeceived or a preconceived rather notion about immigration. And really, just as American citizens, many of us don't understand the whole immigration policy. And so I want to first start out with asking you because many feel this way when it comes to uh, illegal immigration. Why do people come here or choose to come here illegally versus legally?
2: Well, um, the answer is very simple. Um, there is a line for certain types of people mm-hmm. to be able to migrate to the U.S. legally. If you don't qualify, if you don't, have the cri- if you don't meet the criteria, to be in that line, then there is no line for you. Uh, most people who are allowed to come legally to the United States are people who have an employer waiting for them and they have petitioned them so that they can come or they have a close family uh, relative that is petitioning them like a father, a mother, a brother, a son, uh, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But uh, and the other the, the the smallest group of people that I know of that can come to the United States legally are millionaires who have at least a million dollars to start a business and employ American citizens in the United States. Mm. And if you do have that million dollars, then you get a green card so that you can come here legally. Mm. If you don't meet the criteria in any of those three areas, then there is no line for you. Um, to to come here legally. Um, That's one thing. The other thing is that a lot of people come here uh, without the proper documentation because of fear for their lives. If you live in a country like Honduras, for example, right now, or El Salvador, uh, where uh, gangs have taken over entire cities, entire towns, and they're killing people, uh, well, even if you meet the criteria to stand in line and wait, you're not going to wait.
1: So let me uh, jump in here for a second, because I have noticed that there is a sentiment or a different feeling for refugees versus people who are coming in illegally. Mm-hmm. So Americans tend to have a sympathy and an empathy for refugees. Come on in. We see that you're being you know, oppressed or attacked and your life is in danger. We welcome you. However, when it comes to people who come here or immigrate here illegally, you know, the, the feeling changes. So just to recap, what you're saying is, say um, I live in Mexico, I want to come to America for whatever reason, and I don't have a close family relative, or what, what else did you say, or a job waiting for me, and I want to come here legally. How long would it take me to be a resident or, or to come here legally?
2: Well, if you don't meet the criteria they, you can go into a lottery. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
2: it's what I understand. You can put your name into a lottery that the immigration services in the United States uh, picks you know a small number of people that can come here um, usually the 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 weight uh, in that uh, line is fifteen to twenty years mm.
1: Wow
0: and it's and- fun and funny let me say this just on the refugee thing the, there are different. Refuge, d- depending where you come from, mm-hmm. refugees are treated differently. Okay,
2: that's right. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, like I remember growing up, and that's you and I are about the same age, I think. twenty twenty-one. That, uh, we're both about twenty. <laughs> Thank <21, you>. 22. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember when uh, growing up as a as a twenty-one-year-old boy, mm-hmm. uh, seeing the <laughs> Cuban refugees, mm-hmm. uh, who were mostly at least the Euro. Mm-hmm. centric, for mm-hmm. the Spaniards sort the of mm-hmm. Virgin, mm-hmm. And then you had the Haitian refugees and, and they were treated totally differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so just the, the refugee issue definitely has some discriminatory uh, um, tentacles being uh, placed on them. Mm. Right,
2: correct, correct. And, and, and let me say this about the refugees. Uh, in order for you to qualify <clears throat> as a refugee, the U.N. has to declare your country or your place of origin as a disaster area. And there's are some legal parameters that have to be met in order for you to be qualify as a refugee. The other people that qualify as a refugee are people who have a close family relative um, killed
0: hmm. uh,
2: in a war zone mm-hmm. or in some type of upheaval in the country of origin. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that close relative that was killed, then you don't qualify as a refugee in many instances. So what do you do if you know that your neighbors are being killed? Do you wait for a family, close family uh, relative to be killed in order for then request to come as a refugee? No, you don't. Mm -hmm. If if you see it coming, you just leave. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's something that people don't understand.
0: It's funny because Um, I also
1: wanted to touch, I'd like you to touch on quotas as well, because I think many people don't know that. And in fact, Evan educated me on that, um, the quota system in application to the immigration system.
2: Well, the quota system, uh, and I'm not a lawyer, so Mm -hmm. this is a faith-based perspective uh, that I'm giving you. The quota Mm -hmm. system that I understand is a, a way to diversify the population of immigrants coming into the United States. Okay. So if you happen to be uh, from Mexico, you are put in the all the way in the back of the line or there is no line for you anymore because the United States already has too many Mexican immigrants. Mm-hmm. If you are from a place in, you know, Yugoslavia... Um, then you may be put in front of the line because we don't have a lot of people migrating from that country. Mm -hmm. So the quota system disqualifies and uh, uh, allows other people to come in easier than, than, than others.
1: And I can actually understand that because they're trying to diversify and give opportunity across the board. So I don't have really a problem with that. But um, what I didn't know was there there was a cap, a certain number. Correct, Evan? Mm-hmm.
0: There, there's, there's a uh, limit per year, annual limit. I think it says, according to what I read on you, how the American Immigration Council, 675,000 permanent immigrants, uh, annual worldwide limit for the United a States. A year? Per year, for the year. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. That's still a healthy number, but still, once you— um, parcel and post it out by which country? Like, if you are trying to immigrate here from Ireland, your opportunity may be higher than someone trying to immigrate here from, like you say, Haiti.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, Dax. Uh, you, you're like myself. You're, you're. I was Jamaican born, so my parents came here. I remember my grandmother got my mother here, got my father here, or I'd still be in Jamaica. And you came here from Guatemala. I, so, two questions. Number one, you're here. Uh, you came how old were you when you came?
2: Did you, I was 14 years old oh, when you were, I came. you were
0: there, mm-hmm. pre, you were a teenager. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how did you, how did you get here?
2: Well, I came here in 1986 mm-hmm. um, during the last years of the Central American Civil War.
0: Cuz there was there was fighting in Guatemala. <clears throat>
2: Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, Nicaragua had <coughs> fallen to the communists by that time. Mm-hmm. Um, And so my father was a uh, last year law student in the uh, public university Mm. in Guatemala Mm. when the army came in and started killing students who they thought were communists. Mm. And my father came home scared and said, "Uh, I think we should leave or we're going to be dead one of these days. And there was no legal way for us to come. Mm. And my father was not about to wait for a relative to be killed in order to qualify as a refugee. So he (laughs) he packed my bags (laughs) and brought me. I was a DACA kid when there was no DACA. Because I came here undocumented um, because we wanted to save our lives.
1: And how did you later become documented, become an American citizen?
2: Uh, My church uh, in Los Angeles, California, uh, the leaders of our church— I guess they noticed my ministry skills and they decided to employ me. And so they petitioned me to the immigration services. And uh, at that time, the law was that if you had come here undocumented, you would pay a penalty, a Mm -hmm. monetary penalty. Mm -hmm. You would write a letter uh, apologizing to the government for having Mm -hmm. broken the law. Mm -hmm. Uh, You would go back to your country uh, they would give you your papers and then you came back here legally. Mm-hmm. That was the law back in the day. Wow. And that's how I did it. The law since then has changed. Mm-hmm. And now the penalty for people who came here undocumented is that they have to go back to their countries and wait 10 years Wow. Wow. before they are allowed back in. So I know a lot of people that I work here in New Haven who are undocumented, who have been here for a long time. They have kids that were born here they have spouses they have grandchildren and but they are undocumented and they qualify for various reasons to 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 get their papers in order but the penalty they have to pay is too too long wow. they don't want to lose their families <clears throat> so they rather stay undocumented in the US right than get their papers in order and lose their families.
1: I hope this really helps people see, because a lot of people, you know, you see a headline or you read a headline and you think, well, why not just do things the legal way? Why not just wait in line and wait your turn? But when you find out that um, unless you have a tie into the U.S., through a job or some other opportunity or relative, then your your wait could be 10 to 20 years to get into the country. And then if you come from a country who has recently had a bunch of migrants, then you're probably not coming over here. Right, right. Okay. Another question I wanted to ask you is, why do you think we as a country experience so much illegal immigration? Why do you think other pe- people want to migrate or feel they have to migrate to the US?
2: Well, I think uh, it has to do that uh, with the fact that the United States uh, is a powerful economy that advertises through television all over the world. That if you come here, you can have a very good life. Mm-hmm. Uh, American TV is translated into all languages. Mm-hmm. So
0: wait a minute. You, you see, the advertising is is is, is, is subliminal. It's not necessarily. Like, come here, because they don't make it that easy for people to come here.
2: No, no. I, and, and, I, and,
0: and the reason I say that is because I I know friends who uh, who would be very valuable here to U.S. economy and workforce, but they can't get in here.
2: That's right. So, say, for example, you watch Law & Order in El Salvador. Right. And you watch how people live in the U.S. and they have this nice car and they have this nice house. And you are living in a hot and you and are you sharing,
0: sharing TVs at the and, community and, and, bar or something and, you like that know,
2: and gangs are taking over your town yeah then what do you do? they're, they're putting the carrot in, in front of you you're gonna go for it That's
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: that's similar, similar in Jamaica too That's similar in Jamaica.
1: I also wanted to discuss uh, what you feel like our responsibility or uh, culpability is as a country in terms of our effect on other cultures, not just through entertainment that make people feel like they can't stay in their country anymore and then the U.S. would be the only option.
2: Uh, right. That's a that's a great point, mm. because we don't uh, in the U.S., we don't understand how our lifestyle mm-hmm. um causes people to migrate from other countries. Um, If you are an economy like the U.S. and uh, you are so powerful that you buy wholesale what countries are producing, whether it's fruit or raw materials, and the people in those countries are left eating peanuts, Mm. uh, it doesn't mean that intentionally the United States, it's causing poverty in those countries, mm-hmm. but maybe unintentional that because we eat bananas that are produced in Guatemala, in El Salvador, these are, these are literally banana republics.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, those people don't get to eat the bananas they produce. Mm-hmm. We do. Mm-hmm. If you go to a stop and shop and you look at the sticker on the banana, it will say Guatemala or Salvador or Honduras. Um, So people then in those countries say, I want to eat my bananas. (laughs) So they migrate to the U.S. (laughs) after the product that they, with their hands, cultivate it boxed and shipped to the U.S., then they ship themselves Mm -hmm. behind the product that they sent here. Mm -hmm. Let
0: let me ask you a question. That's great, Dax. Let me ask you a question. There's two questions. funny. The second question I was going to ask you kind of answered because when I asked you how you came here, you gave us a process of how you came here. And uh, and because my next question was, well, what what drives you to help undocumented? And I'm thinking the answer is obvious. Um, I want to talk also more about what you're talking about in terms of how what we do here, how it drives uh, migration, but one thing that really struck me that, that I want to come back to, I'm gonna throw it out here now, but I want to come back to it, is a is a debate that we don't hear much about, whether you're documented or undocumented, is the value of the foreigner or the immigrant, the value they bring, and it's funny because it, <clears throat> we're talking to faith base here, and I, I mentioned this to Aaron when we were uh, before we started the show about. For example, faith-based. We're coming from we're Christians. You know, I know you're Christian. We're going to have people in here from every different faith, but we're mm-hmm. Christians. One of the the hallmarks of Christianity, in terms of the essence of it, is that if you're a Christian, you're are a universal community. Secondly, you're also you're foreigners as well. We are foreigners just by the sake, just by the the, the our identification as Christians, mm-hmm. we're sojourners, we're mm-hmm. foreigners. Mm-hmm. Um, in the in biblical writ the foreigners
1: he calls us a strange people right
0: yeah we're, we're, we're uh, per, per, per peculiar people we're peculiar, but, yes, but, peculiar. but we're also foreigners mm-hmm. uh or, this is not our land we're sort right. of kind of moving through mm-hmm. it but also in even the old testament in the biblical writ period you see uh the foreigner is someone that should be looked after the foreigner is someone that that one of the characteristics of the the foreigner is a, is their vulnerability, and their vulnerability they share with the poor, they share with the widow, they share with the orphan, and because we, because Christian the Christian community should identify is in essence we are foreigners, then we should be able to identify with foreigners, and 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 then so that's the one thing I want to put out throughout there and want to to, to expand on that, and also the idea that the of the value of the foreigner to this country, you came here. You could have been dead at 14. Mm-hmm. Your father chose to come here. You were undocumented. Now you are here fighting for other undocumented at Yale University. You're on to your second degree, which is, I think, significant. And you're here speaking for that community because you were that community. Correct? Correct. So so, so just want to hear your thoughts on the value, which I think is expounding on the value of the foreigner, and not, and no matter where they come from, and also just the fact that if we're talking faith-based, if we're talking Christian faith, then we then we have a mandate, would you say, to serve and help the foreigner.
2: Yeah, that's uh, totally true. Uh, and, and to expand on that, uh, Evan, when the Old Testament, as we call it, or the, the First Testament, mm-hmm. uh, speaks to the people of Israel that if a foreigner shows up, mm-hmm. they should treat him well, they should treat him like themselves. Mm-hmm. They should treat them like a citizen. It is not talking about foreigners that we caused to migrate. Mm. Mm. So, 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 so these are foreigners that you had no, uh, uh, you have no say, or, or or people that just showed up for whatever reason, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you are to accept them as if they were. You. you
0: right.
2: What would the Bible say if these foreigners show up at your door because of w- things that your government did, mm. or your lifestyle, or your economy did in those people's countries of origin, mm-hmm. and you're causing their migration? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you should uh, welcome them even better. Yeah.
1: What more? Yeah. What would more can you do? do? Yeah. yeah.
2: Or Change your policies so they don't have to migrate,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: which is where I would like to go next, because the, the, the point of this uh, program is hope and solutions. Absolutely. Right. And one of the solutions for stopping illegal immigration, which I would like to pose here and, and, and agree with this, is that uh, we should try to do whatever we can and whatever we have to so that people don't have to migrate.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: I am against illegal immigration, <coughs> mm-hmm. even though I am not against illegal immigrants, mm-hmm. because people leave their countries because they want a better life. Mm-hmm. Right. But we either have to uh, use our resources as a country so that people don't have to migrate from Central America, from Mexico, give them a decent life, that will be the solution, the Mm -hmm. permanent solution. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, Or make it easier for those people to come legally. The United Nations Secretary General said just a a couple of weeks ago that there are avenues only for the academic elite and the professional elite to migrate legally to the United States. And Mm -hmm. with this new Mm -hmm. proposal in Congress, that you will be able to migrate only if you have skills, if you have an academic degree, and if you speak English, Uh, then who will be able to come? Exactly. Wow.
0: Okay. You know what the name of that proposal is at all? Do you have a number for that?
2: Uh, Uh, do Do we know what that... I I don't know the name of that bill. Okay, okay. We're gonna find it out. We're gonna so
1: find it out. We're gonna our find it listeners out. Listeners in the future can call contact their congressmen about the issues that we discuss and, and let your voice be heard in that way because we wanna uh, offer solutions as well. So you were saying that um, that of course you're against illegal immigration but <clears throat> not illegal immigrants and the way to uh, help to change the system is to change the way we put our footprint in other countries. But is is that through, I mean, because the entertainment business is just going to be what it is. And most people love programs and and we're affected by entertainment. So I'm not sure that it's going to be there. But
2: um, no, what it's, you it's express about the, right, yeah. Yeah, the, banana
1: Repo- the banana republic and other things we've done to other countries, that could be a start. But how with the just common citizen... Like how would I help my government to uh, be in other countries in a different way, to where we're not oppressing the people, um, using their resources to they no longer have them, and when they have to come here, because I think most people would love to be in their own country mm-hmm. of origin, I right, agree. and and prosper and grow there, and and do what they do here there.
2: Right. I think that that uh, at least two things we can do. Uh, number one is. Um, realize that because we can buy, I, I bought uh, eight, 12 bananas the other day for about a buck fifty mm-hmm. in, at Stop and Shop. Mm-hmm. If I would be willing to pay a little more
1: mm-hmm. for
2: those bananas so that people back in the countries of origin of those bananas get paid a little more so they have a dignified <clears throat> life then they don't have to come, and I still eat my bananas. Hmm. That's one thing. That's the same, and by the way, that's the same argument for ending the abuse of migrants in the U.S. that pick our fruit. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Hmm. There's a lot of abuse going on because we want cheap labor. labor. Mm -hmm. We want cheap fruits. If we were willing to pay a little more for the strawberries that undocumented Mexican immigrants pick in uh, the Central Valley in California, mm-hmm. then they could be paid a little more. Mm-hmm. We would stop the abuse and we would still have our, our, our strawberries.
1: And I've noticed, too, that the corruption, because I, I call that corruption, is so deep, too, because when uh, undocumented workers come here, corporations would rather pay them here under the table Versus hiring American workers and uh, paying full wage, and so that creates a division, and then American workers are angry and that you get the whole they're coming to take our jobs right. and, you know
2: and, and and you know what what um, I guess uh, what motivation do uh, owners of these uh, um, fields have to pass immigration reform Mm -hmm. if what that means is that their undocumented fruit pickers Mm -hmm. will have a green card, and now you have to pay them more. And now you have to pay them benefits. The uh, health insurance. insurance. Mm -hmm. The cost of labor is going to go up. Mm -hmm. The price that people are going to pay for their fruit is going to go up. So there is no incentive to pass immigration reform Mm -hmm. because it's going to hit our pockets.
0: So it so you're saying it, so this has to change. It's funny when the, the first point you brought up made me think more of sort of a need for more robust social entrepreneurship. You know, more 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 sort of entrepreneurs and people who are doing business sort of with a heavy, with a heavy sort of uh, indoctrination of sort a of motivation to to put what they do into um, social investment, not necessarily not be profitable, mm-hmm. but be mindful of of of. of um, of situations like that, like yeah. these workers as well, and being able to, and people being able having to pay more of a premium price for goods. Now, how are you going to get people to do that?
1: <laughs> that
0: that's a, that that's a, that's a big challenge.
1: I, I will. I'll even speak to a different issue, but similar. Mm-hmm. Um, the the wedding, um, and the um, marriage industry. Mm-hmm. Every woman or little girl since she's. You know, mm-hmm. every woman, since she's a little girl, wants the big diamond ring mm-hmm. for the proposal. Mm-hmm. But um, what mm-hmm. we're doing in the diamond mines in Africa and what mm-hmm. they're doing to the children there. I mean, it mm-hmm. you know, that's an effect that we're having an effect on another country. And those workers are being abused. Those children are being abused. So, you know, we can come here and we can have our dream come true and have the big rock on the finger. And so I think um, Americans are so blessed that we don't have to think about those things. Mm-hmm. And we don't think about those things unless we look deeper and go deeper. And, uh, I mean, I'm well, guilty, too. I have <clears> a rock <throat> on my finger. Right. So, you we, know? Yeah, we,
0: we need more, more awareness. Right. Um, I think this is definitely something, even when you talked about being in other countries in entertainment industry, what the entertainment industry can do is definitely bring more awareness in the entertainment, uh, in, in the advertising, you know. Um, but you need people with the hearts for that. At the top. Mm-hmm. You know? But then
1: at the end of the day it's still like he said, it goes back to economics. If I'm a mm-hmm. corporation and I'm making billions, mm-hmm. I don't want to go from billions to millions just to pay people to have health insurance and do it the right way. Mm-hmm. It's it's a greed. It's greed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's corruption. Greed. And if we take it back to the faith based thing, which is the foundation of this podcast, then we know that these things are not Christ like.
0: And, and it's our job as as those who believe these things to to challenge them, mm-hmm. no one else is going to do it. No one else is going to challenge, uh, look out for the welfare of the foreigner, unless you, unless there's a mandate for what you believe mm-hmm. to consider yourself a foreigner. You know, no one else is going to understand really the the cause greed. Greed will blind you. Yes, you know, no one else can understand sort of the power of greed unless you understand that greed can the shipwreck your life mm-hmm. and that greed actually takes you to a place of doing evil the more and more it progresses in your life you know if you're running for example I had this conversation with a community organizer recently there's a, there's a, a guy and, and I, I don't remember his name specifically I don't know how to quote it but he runs one of the major banks and he came out of uh, one of the projects in Brooklyn and the project is still a mess you know he gets awards all over the place for his philanthropic work but he's totally forgotten and lost touch with where he's actually come from, you know, and he's not really doing the work, you Mm -hmm. know. And I said, well, well, how could he forget, you know. And it's funny because this particular person uh, was trained in in a religious tradition that teaches you that you should you should take care of of those on the margins. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no there's no um, it's not There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. You know there's nothing wrong with 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 being profitable and and thinking about your profit margins. but there's something wrong with doing it and people are suffering behind it or you're not giving other people opportunities you may have had so there, there's a there's a I worked for a company and I'm gonna give um him actually I, I'm hoping they're still doing this. but when I was at when I came out of college, I worked in sales of a company It was called Federal Federal Express at the time. and the guy who actually founded it, he uh, the idea for the company was in a paper, a thesis paper he did when he was undergrad here at Yale. Fred Smith, and one of the things I, I, I learned about Fred Smith was that he had set his salary to a certain amount. You know, mm-hmm. I think it was like he capped it like two hundred thousand, mm-hmm. and he invested the rest. This was back in nineteen ninety, mm-hmm. but he lived in Tennessee, which is two hundred thousand.
1: Right, probably, right.
0: You know, at that time, you could probably buy the entire city of Memphis. <laughs> but but the point was that he invested. He said, "Look, this is all I need." He invested. A, a lot. his money back. He, of course, he had options. He owned the company, but he invested a lot of his money back in the company, into the company. And uh, for years, year after year after year, that company was considered one of the best companies to work for when you wow. look at the top business magazines. And I remember specifically because I did sales for that company, the motto of that company at that time, I don't know what it is like now, was people service profits. That was sort of the, that was the priority. Wow. People service profits. I love that. And I think that 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 should be the kind of awareness we try to put out there in terms because it is about economics. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't have some sort of economic leverage, people are not going to respect you or your community for some reason. That's unfortunate because that's not how it should be. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that but if you have economic leverage and you're using it for, for reasons to sort of promote some level of equity and to give other people opportunities, um, out there. Opportunities. Not everybody's going to grab an opportunity, but right. there are people out there who need, who are looking for opportunities to, to do well and to, and to prosper and to prosper their families as well.
2: But, but you know what, how we can start changing that, Evan, mm. is by teaching people to switch from an individualistic mindset to a community mindset. Mm-hmm. Because the individualistic mindset tells you, I deserve it. Mm -hmm. I earned it. I did it on my own. I am Mm self-sufficient. I got up early in the morning. I went to work and this is what I get paid. Mm -hmm. The community mindset says I couldn't do everything that I did and earn all the money that I did if I didn't have people who picked up the trash, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if I don't have people who fix the roads, Mm -hmm. if I don't have people who uh, clean the schools where my kids Study, mm-hmm. uh, so all these people that we don't usually praise in uh, reward as we should are the enablers, mm-hmm. what I call them, for you to make a profit. Mm-hmm. If we were to reward these people with a community mindset,
1: mm-hmm.
2: then you know we would take care of a lot of poverty, mm-hmm. even if the individualistic person who got all the benefit earns a little less. Mm -hmm. And if we transfer that concept to the immigration concept, if we would be willing to uh, profit a little less Mm -hmm. from countries where people are migrating from Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. give them back and invest some of the profits that corporations make back in the countries where those profits were produced. Mm -hmm. instead of investing them here or giving them here to retirees only, Mm -hmm. then these people wouldn't have to migrate, and we would be doing the right thing. As we now
0: conclude part one of The Other Side and our discussion on immigration, you have now entered what we call the Amen Corner. The idea of the Amen Corner in black church tradition was originally the place where the older members particularly the church mothers, so to speak, who were perceived as the watchdogs of Christ. Now these mothers from this Amen Corner led the congregations in responsive Amens to what they heard going down in a good sermon or during the church service. The Amen Corner could just as easily be any section of the sanctuary on a Sunday morning too, where the congregation uses many verbal responses and Amens and to go a step further. The Amen Corner can also be any area outside the church where expressions of support abounds for the speaker or the performer. Our hope is that you as our listeners will become our Amen Corner. Now, we hope that you will be this for our show, for our guests, our topics, and our desire to inspire change, even if we end up falling flat on our faces from time to time while trying to make a difference and trying to shine our light in the dark places of our world. Here on the other side, our Amen Corner will take on different forms. It may be a short sermon, a rant, a call to action, a poetic verse, a song, a theological reflection, a note to self, meaning to ourselves, versus hosts. And then hopefully it will translate as a gentle reminder to you as our audience. Our desire here the other side is that our Amen Corner will be a reminder to you that through it all, hope springs eternal that through it all we remember God is always mindful of us and that God cares about us, that through it all there is peace in the midst of the storm that we face as individuals and as a human family. We are here to edify. We are here to challenge, but most importantly, we are here to love. We are here to love because that is the mandate of our faith and we plan to carry it out as best we can in our rhetoric as hosts, as God leads and guides our endeavors. Thank you for tuning in to The Other Side. And may God bless you.
1: Thanks for tuning in to The Other Side. Join me on the journey at AaronSands.com or you can follow me on social media at Aaron L. Sands.
0: You can follow me on Instagram at Evan the conqueror or on Twitter at EvanDPark. Thanks again. See you soon on the other side. The views expressed on the other side are those of the hosts and the guests and do not represent the views of Yale University.